0: forth, so, you know, it's kind of close to our minds at the moment, the idea of being a peacemaker. Now, let me make a distinction for you. God is not talking to us here about being peacekeepers. He's talking about us being peacemakers. Keeping the peace is about having enough arms and enough uh, bombs and explosives to actually ensure that somebody doesn't try to do something. Peacemakers, it's some of its people that bring peace from the depths of their being, from a reality. All right? Let's read Matthew chapter 5. We'll read, read up to verse 9. And seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain, and when he was set, his disciples came unto him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we know it's deep and it's rich and it's real. And oh, Lord, it is so easy for us, Lord, to... uh, glide across it, or without ex- absorbing the reality and the truth of it. Would you help us today? Blessed Spirit of the living God, would you work in hearts and lives and draw us deep into it and help us to understand it, and not just to understand it, but that it might be real and that we might be peacemakers in this world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, in 1873, Samuel Colt introduced a pistol, and he called it the Peacekeeper. Now, the reason he called it the peacekeeper was because he reckoned that from now on, big guys would not be able to pick on little guys. Because if you had a colt in in your pocket, you could actually take on the big guy. And so it was going to equalize everything. It didn't. It just didn't. It's gone from one thing to another. November 1982, uh, President Ronald Reagan dubbed the new mobile MX missile system the peacekeeper. It hasn't, and really, if you look at what the world is talking about when it talks about peacekeeping, uh, it's talking about this idea of forcing peace on other people, forcing them to be peaceful because you're stronger than they are. Yet, you know, obviously, flawed from the very word go. You can't force people to have peace. You can't. You just can't do that. Um, it's been recorded in, in thirty-one hundred years of, of history, of recorded history in the world. The world has only been at peace for 8% of the time, or a total of 286 years, uh, and 8,000 treaties have been made and broken. Someone that said that peace is the gl- glorious interlude when everybody stops to reload. But there's a different kind of peace available to us. John MacArthur said this, he said, a truce says you just Don't shoot for a while. Peace comes when the truth is known, the issue is settled, and the parties embrace each other. This is the reason that Jesus in this verse did not use the word peacekeeper. He used the word peacemaker. There's a world of difference. Look at the situation in Israel at the moment. And I don't claim to know or understand all the intricacies of it. Some of you may understand it better than I do. But as long as I can remember the news there's been trouble in Israel. There's been trouble between Israel and Palestine. There's, been tr- there's always been trouble. And I have no doubt that after a short while they will come to a new peace arrangement out there. Uh, there will be peacekeepers to enforce it. But nothing will change. You see, the basic root problem is that two sets of people hate each other. And I know there's a whole lot of other difficulties involved in it. But that's the basic thing. They hate each other. And apart from changing the hatred in their hearts, you really can't make peace. They would have to come to the place for, for there to be a real peace out there where they would actually embrace each other. I mean, in Northern Ireland, <clears throat> we have uh, a peace uh, that, that, that's holding reasonably well. But you know what? Every now and again, come the 12th of July, come some other flare, flare-up situation, and you know, you're wondering, is it all going to descend into the same mess that it used to be in? Because hearts are not really changed. There's still two divides. And listen, our world is divided like that. There's all kinds of enemies and all kinds of problems and difficulties uh, between people. And hatred in people's hearts, that hasn't been changed, that hasn't been dealt with. And the only way to really have peace in our world is for it to be peace in people's hearts. For there to be peace towards each other in their hearts. Now we're going to look at this idea of... Being a peacemaker from four different angles, right? We're going to look at the idea of making peace with God. And then we're going to look at a strange one, the idea of making peace with yourself. Because if you're not at peace with yourself, you're going to find yourself fighting with everybody else. That's, that's the reality for us. And then we're going to look at the idea of uh, making, having peace with people, being at peace with people. And then we're going to look at the, the challenge to proclaim peace in our world. To Actually be somebody who proclaims peace in our world. But now, you know, it, it, it's not something as simple as with two children. You know, you say, listen, go to your rooms until you have this sorted out. Peace is a much deeper thing than that. And we've got to grapple with the realities of it. All right. Okay, first of all, making peace with God. First of all, we need to understand something about God. And I know most of you are believers, probably all of you are believers here this morning. But, but here's the reality. We need to keep our minds focused on the fact God is angry about sin. God is ang- now, it doesn't seem like that to us because, you know, we live in his world and he takes care of us and uh, <clears throat> lost people he takes care of and he looks after them all the time. And, you know, it doesn't appear to us that God is angry with sin, but the Bible tells us that he is. You know, <clears throat> that, that, that God is upset about sin all the time, that he is angry with sin. And <clears throat> that really he's so upset that a peace needs to be made. Now, that's what Jesus did. Jesus came and by his blood made peace between God and man. And when man comes to Jesus and is born again by faith in him, uh, trusts what he has done, then Christ becomes their peace. Uh, Ephesians 2 verse 14 says, For he is our peace who hath made us both one, and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us. So the first thing we need to understand is that the basis of all peace is Jesus. If we want to get specific about it, the basis of all peace is the blood of Jesus, because that's what atoned for our sin, and that's what gave us, uh, ushered us into the presence of God. That's that's why we can have peace with God, because Jesus shed his blood to pay the price for our sin. So if you're here today and you're born again by faith in Jesus Christ, you you have peace with God. And if you're not, you don't. And that's the most important thing in life that you come to the place where you first of all have peace with God. Let me say this to you that are believers as well. You know, real, realistically and positionally, you have peace with God today. But if you're not living for him, you're not going to feel like this peace between you and him. And believers get messed up <clears throat> oftentimes when they won't live for God because they, they, they find, you know, I'm supposed to have peace with him and there's, there's no peace in my life. And the only way for you to live in peace with God, ultimate peace with God, is for you to be surrendered to Him. Lord, do whatever you want me to do. I'm yours. I belong to you. Belong. Uh, I belong to you. And Lord, I'll do whatever you want me to do. That's the only way for us to really have peace with God. We've got to understand that that. You know, we're His. We belong to Him. And we yield to Him and let Him have His way in our lives. And then we know that we have peace. Now, don't, don't don't get me wrong. You may not walk with him today, but you have peace with him because when you die, you're his child. You're going to, you're going to be, but you won't feel it and sense it unless you're walking with him. But you can know peace dwelling in beautiful land is for now. You can live like that in this world. If if believers would understand what they were allowing the enemy to steal from them by standing against God, we would give it up for 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 a poor show altogether. Listen, the best thing we can do is yield to him and let him have his way in our lives. That's when peace flows in our lives. That's when we get to, be to the place where we can actually do something in the world. Because we come to the place where we've got peace with God. Uh, so Christ is our peace. He has purchased our peace. And we can have peace. Him. then we need to be at peace with ourselves. Now, look with me at Philippians chapter 4. It's amazing, but even amongst believers, so many people do not enjoy peace. So many people live turbulent um, lifestyles. Lifestyle That's where there's no peace. Lifestyles where there's no peace, where they're up one day and they're down the next, where they really are not sure where they stand. And, and God tells us we can enjoy a peace. Now, we need to come to the place where, with Scripture, we don't just let Scripture kind of be a nice story, but it's real and true, and we apply it. We look at Scripture and accept it for being real. If God says there's peace available to you, first of all, do you want it? Of course you do. Secondly, do you believe it's possible? Do you believe it's real and it's true? What we're going to look at is going to promise you peace. And I love the practicality of Scripture how practical it is, how it just lays it out step by step where you can actually have peace in your life. You can have peace in your life. But now, you won't enjoy peace in your life apart from obeying the truth. It's not going to happen. All right, Philippians chapter 4 and verse 7. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren... Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. And those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. All right. <clears throat> Okay, um, I should back up to verse, verse 4, where it says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything with prayer and supplication, that your request be made known unto God. Uh, <clears throat> so the first step to us enjoying peace in our lives is for us to come to the place where, instead of us worrying about everything, we give things over to the Lord. We put things in his hand. Instead of us taking it on board and trying to sort out all the things ourselves, we come to the Lord with it and we give it to Him. And in there it says, with thanksgiving, that we're supposed to actually give thanks, even for the troubles and the difficulties in our lives. Now, I don't know about you, but that's not my nature. I don't like trouble, do you? We don't like trouble. We don't like problems in our lives. We want a Christianity where God gives us just this nice, easy lot from the time we're saved. But what we've got to do is understand that all of it is from God. And instead of us fighting against it, we've got to recognize, now listen, it's from God, and we've got to come to the place where we give thanks for it. Now, that's huge in our lives. And by the way, if you have a hard time giving thanks for the trouble in your life, start giving thanks for the good things that are in your life. And you know what you'll find? You'll find it's much easier to give thanks for the, for the troubling of it. But we're supposed to, <clears throat> instead of worrying, we're supposed to pray about it, and we're supposed to give thanks for it. And he's, verse 7 says, And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Now, it's, it, it's the peace of God. Right? It's not your peace. It's not a human peace. It's not the peace you can get from the psychiatrist. Okay? <clears throat> it's the peace of God. Oftentimes, we go to the psychiatrist looking for peace. In our our day and age. We go to a counselor looking for peace. That's not where peace comes from. It's the peace of God. And it's God uh, through you actually coming to the place where you put yourself in his hands. Where you're instead of fighting your own battles, you're coming to him. So it's the peace of God. And it says this, it passeth all understanding. There's an inexplicable side to it. How do you understand this peace that somebody's got when they're walking with God? Basically this. If God's in charge, what is there to worry about? If God's in charge, what can really, truly disturb your peace? If God's got his hand on the situation and he's taking care of you, it's safe. It's inexplicable. It's in his hand. And to wake in the night and remember, no, it's okay, God's got his hand on it, God's in charge, changes the whole thing. <clears throat> you see, <clears throat> he's there. He's in charge. And it changes all of it when we realize that he's in charge. The peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Now the idea of keeping there is arranging himself around you like an army to keep the peace in your heart. A couple of thoughts for you though. I mean, don't we strive to have peace sometimes? We're going to fix all the, all the problems so that we can have peace. The problem is when you fix all the problems, there's a whole bunch of other problems by the time you get them all fixed. Isn't there? By the time you get to the to, to the end of the list there's another list to write. You never come to the place where all the problems are fixed and all the problems are sorted. And, you know you, you can't actually achieve this yourself. You can't achieve this peace yourself by by actually making it. You need to understand it comes from him. So my focus in having peace is not going to be on sorting out the situations in my life. My focus in having peace is going to be on him. That's different. That's not what the self-help books will tell you. That's not what all the literature will tell you about having peace. But having peace is about focusing on him. And then in verse 8, basically, without going through it blow by blow, what it's telling you this is to control your thinking. Now you say, well, I knew there's going to be a problem with this thing. I can't control my thinking. My thinking just goes everywhere. That's the problem. But do you know that if God tells you something then, inbuilt into the command, there's actually the power to do it. Now again, here's the thing. The power is not in you. You can't do it. You can't control your thinking. You, you can't actually take your thinking and, you know, and, <clears throat> and control it. But when grace, when his power, when his spirit is involved in it, You can. And you can know this peace that passes all understanding. You can can know what it is to walk with him in peace, to live your life in peace. Now you think of all the dumb things people do. Why do they do them? Because inside they're they're just turbulent. Inside there are all kinds of things going on. And, And... what we need to understand is, that, listen. God has a peace for us, and it's a peace that passes all understanding. And He says, "I want you to control your thinking. I want you to think right thinking." Now, I'm not going to go through blah blah blah, but let me give you a couple of thoughts on the verse. <clears throat> for for me, the most helpful one is the first one. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, let, let me tell you what's true. What's true in life is what God says is true. And if God says it's not true, it doesn't matter how much you want it, it's not true. It doesn't matter how possible it is, it's not true. It doesn't matter how easy it would be for you to actually make it happen or what people say to you about it, it's not true. If God says it's true, it's true. There are things in life that God has given you, blessings that he's given into your life. Everybody here has got blessings in their life. He's given you blessings, rich blessings in your life. And there are certain things in your life that he hasn't given you. You know, peace comes when you learn to rejoice in the blessings he has given you and to say, well, the things he hasn't given me, they're not mine. Maybe someday they will, but they're not mine right now. I'm not going to focus on them. I'm going to focus on the things he has given me. I'm going to focus on the blessings he has given me because otherwise what I'm doing is I'm longing for something that God hasn't given, and it's actually a lie. And that eats us alive. I mean, that's one of those things that we could actually have a questionnaire that revealed those in our hearts. It'd be really helpful to us. But what you got to do is you got to say no, no, no. What God has given me is sufficient. He may give me more, but right now what He's given me is sufficient. I am happy with what God has given me. Um, <clears throat> whatsoever things are honest. You know, <clears throat> we live in a dishonest world, don't we? We live in a world that's kind of shady. That's dodgy if you want to use the word. And we tend to get drawn into it, you know, how we can achieve things that are not really honest. Well, it's not going to help you. You're not going to have peace if you're going to do that. See, what's going to happen is you're going to, you're going to find that the, uh, the shady areas in your life are going to be turbulent areas in your life. You say, but it's a crooked world. How am I going to live? You're going to live by faith in God. And he's going to take care of you and you're going to have peace, or you're going to live by faith in you, and you're not going to take care of yourself very well, and you're not going to have peace. It's it, you know, the, the, There's a choice. You can't love God and mammon. You can't have it both ways. You've got to go one way or the other. You've got to kind of yield yourself uh, to him in it. Um, <clears throat> whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure. There's not a lot pure in this world, is there? Man, I love the news, but you know what? Sometimes I just switch it off. It's It's just... It's disturbing. It's factual, it's true, but it just disturbs my soul. I don't I don't want to be reading all this junk. You know, <clears throat> it's, it's just disturbing to me. And you know, <clears throat> well, we need to understand that we need to have things that are pure in our lives. And when you stop looking at the wicked and the vile and the filth of the world and start looking out for things that are pure, something happens inside you. Something happens. You begin to to see things differently. Whatsoever things are pure, look at those things. Um, Whatsoever things are lovely. We have a sin nature, and our sin nature is drawn to the unlovely. It really is. I, I hope you don't watch horror films, but if you do, that's what's happening for you. It's drawn to the scary, to the terrifying, to the awful, to the bad. You like being scared, right? <clears throat> you know what it's doing is it's drawing you there. It's not lovely, you know. And here's the thing: if you stop watching that kind of junk for a while and um, <clears throat> you, you, you cleanse your heart of it, and then you see it, you go, "Oh, that's horrible." But you get desensitized from watching it, and you're 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 drawn in. Lots of stuff in life is not lovely, and we're supposed to look on the lovely. Listen, this is the summertime. Have you noticed how beautiful Ireland is? You know, everywhere you look, there's flowers, there's hills, there's even blue skies at the moment. I mean, I capture those in your mind because you know you'll need those for the winter. But there are so many lovely things going on. Enjoy the lovely. Learn to focus your mind, not just on the things that it's naturally drawn to, but to the things that are lovely. Um, What sort of things are of good report? You know, that's the problem with the news. You know, good news, not news. It has to be bad news. Now, there are good things happening in the world, but you know what? If you read the news, it's not going to tell you much about the good things that are happening in the world. You know, it's almost true that, you know, <clears throat> the, 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 the weirder and the more awful it is, uh, the better it is, the better a news story it, it makes. You know, don't spend your time with that kind of stuff. Uh, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Now, what's it saying there? He's saying, listen, you're going to think about something. Here's what to think about. Think about virtue. Think about praise. Think about the good things that are happening. Learn to do that. Learn to actually control your thinking so that you're thinking about right things, not just thinking about bad things. things. Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. Now here's Paul. If I lived Paul's life, you know what? I'd wonder how the guy knew anything to, to write about peace at all. I mean, he had a life that had, you know, he had people on his case all the time, every day, all day long. They were trying to kill him. They were trying to get rid of him. They were trying to uh, trick him. Listen, he was always under fire from somewhere, from someone, all right? <clears throat> and yet he's able to write about peace. Do you know that Paul could enjoy peace in his life? Now, let's think about it. I think you and I could enjoy peace in our lives. Do you think if Paul could do it in his life, we could enjoy peace? Of course we could. We could enjoy peace. But understand this. It's not born in your circumstances. It's born in your relationship with God. It's not something that makes sense. It's a peace that passes on understanding. And it's a peace that's born, first of all, of you praying, right? And then you thinking, right? And there can be peace in your heart. And when you find there's not peace in your heart... Understand this: there's something wrong and you go looking for what's wrong. Where's my peace gone? Where's my peace? If I'm walking with God and his blessing and his hand is upon me, there should be peace. And when there's not peace, what's wrong? What's the issue? And you go to God looking for the answer. But Jesus Christ bought peace with God and peace that passes understanding for you on the cross. You should enjoy it. It should be life for you. It should be reality for you. All right, number three, <clears throat> live in peace with others. Now, this is much harder, isn't it? Um, <clears throat> it's, you know, it's one thing for us to have peace with God, okay? We, you know, we know the way to do it. It's another thing for us to even uh, rise up to the place where, where we have peace uh, with ourselves. But then we're supposed to have peace with other people? How are we going to do that? It, you know, we're born selfish. And apart from God, we live selfish. And the reason we don't get along is because we all want our own way. Uh, so how are we going to do that? First of all, we're supposed to have peace with non-believers. Romans twelve eighteen says, If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Uh, we are to seek peace. That, that's supposed to be the way we are. We're supposed to seek peace. You know, We can be very quick to take offense and to get bent out of shape and to uh, come to the place where we're willing to fight with somebody. Uh, we're to seek peace. You know what? I suppose the years have helped me with this, but I fully realize that everybody's not going to agree with me, and that's fine. I'm responsible for doing what I believe God would have me to do. And um, everybody's not going to agree with that, and that's, that's just fine. You know, there's a whole lot, even when it comes to Christianity, there's a whole bunch of other views and other thoughts out there, and that's fine. Now, it gets difficult, you know, when it comes to <clears throat> where you're forced to make a choice, and then you've got to come down on what you believe. But for most of the time, I, I don't need to bother other people about what they believe. That's, that's fine. You, you, you're perfectly entitled to see it your way. And, and we need to kind of cultivate that in ourselves. You see, there's something in us that mate wants, wants everybody to see it the way we do. And, you know, if you're convinced you're right, there's a reasonableness to that. But you've got to come to the place where you say, no, hang on a minute, the other guy has a right to work it out his way. And by the way, <clears throat> have you ever noticed that Even good people will look at a situation and come to uh, totally different perspectives on it. But even people who who really want to walk with God will look at a situation and see it completely differently. And if you look at the history of Christianity, that's the way it is. It's completely different. And that's okay. That's okay. You know, there's a certain level that we're not going to be able to get along, but there are levels where we can get along with other people. We need to seek Peace. We need to be people who are seeking peace not people who are getting bent out of shape all the time and getting and reacting to things and you know and getting involved in squabbles we need to seek peace certain point where you may have to say to somebody look listen we're not going to agree on this so you know <clears throat> you need to go your way and I'll go mine but <clears throat> we can do that peacefully we need to seek peace uh, don't expect everybody to see it your way don't expect everybody to come down on it the way you do, they won't. They're going to see it a host of different ways, and you got to accept that people got a freedom to do that. You know, were Baptists. We don't talk much about Baptists or Baptist <clears throat> heritage, uh, but you know, here's one of the things Baptists have always stood for. Baptists have always stood for the right for everybody uh, to see it from their own way. They call it soul liberty, and what it means is everybody's entitled to see it their own way. Now, we're not going to agree with everybody. But everybody's entitled to see it their own way. Everybody's entitled to actually look at it. And the reason Baptists came to that place was because they had spent so many years with people forcing them to actually believe. And uh, they were forced to believe on point of the sword and on point of drowning and everything else. And so that, 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 that was, was established. You know, we're not going to go out there. Our mission is not to change everybody's mind. Now, our mission is the gospel. And that's changing minds. But our, our mission is not to change everybody's mind as far as their thinking is concerned. Our mission is uh, to declare the gospel. <clears throat> so we're to have peace with non-believers. We're to have uh, peace within the church. And by the way, peace within the church has always been hard to achieve. Paul writes to, uh, <clears throat> to, to the Philippian church, and he writes about uh, <clears throat> Euodius and Syntyche. They're, they're, they're having a go. There are two women in the church, and they are going at it good all. Right? Now, that's, that's totally uncommon, isn't That would never happen in this church, all right? Um, <clears throat> But what he writes them, he writes them, and he wants them to have the same mind, to settle down in the church, to uh, give space to each other. But we're to enjoy peace with each other in the church. And again, that's something that God bought for us. That's something we need to prize, something we need to value. Everybody doesn't have to see it your way. But because the shepherd is involved... We need to give each other space. Philip Keller, uh, the author of the book on on the 23rd Psalm, wrote this. He said, Hundreds of times I have watched an old, austere ewe walk up to a younger one which might have been feeding contentedly or resting quietly in some sheltered spot. She would arch her neck, tilt her head, dilate her eyes, and approach the other with a stiff-legged gait. All of this was saying in unmistakable terms, move over, out of my way, give ground or else... And if the other ewe did not immediately leap to her feet in self-defense, she would be butted unmercifully. Or if she did not rise to accept the challenge, one or two strong bumps would soon send her scurrying for safety. But one point that always interested me very much was that whenever I came into view, now he's the shepherd. Whenever I came into view and my presence attracted their attention, the sheep quickly forgot their foolish rivalries and stopped their fighting. The shepherd's presence made all the difference in their behavior. And understand that, that the presence of Jesus makes all the difference in our behavior and how we treat each other. It makes all the difference. We're going to talk tonight about being filled with the Spirit, right? You know what? The filling of the Spirit, the reality of the filling of the Spirit and the control of the Spirit in our lives changes the way we relate to each other. Because it's his way, not our way. And so often what we're looking for is we're looking for our way. And then we're, we're upset because the other person is looking for their way. And that's not our way. <clears throat> and what we need to do is we need to understand, no, listen, it's not our way, it's his way. And when we're there, not only do we have peace with him, but we have peace with each other. That's, the way, that's where peace and unity in the church comes from. It doesn't come from everybody agreeing on everything. We won't. But it comes from the place where we're, where we're filled with the Spirit and yielded to him and letting him have his way. And then number four, <clears throat> we need to proclaim peace to the world. Do you realize that we live in a world that knows nothing of peace? And you've, you've got the situations we talked about in the Middle East and uh, the situation in Ukraine. But you, you, you look at the homes and the families around you. you. You look at the problems with your neighbors, the problems maybe even in your family. And <clears throat> the world needs Peace. Now, we know the God of peace. Do you think we should have some ability to actually help them to find peace? Let me, let me give you some verses here. Look at Isaiah 52, verse 7. Isaiah 52, verse 7. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him that bringeth good tidings, that publisheth peace, that bringeth good tidings of good, that publisheth salvation, that saith unto Zion, thy God reigneth. Right? <clears throat> that, that publisheth peace. Now, that's repeated again in, <clears throat> it doesn't matter guys, just, 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 just here, because sometimes you'll sometimes you lose it by looking for it, right? Um, <clears throat> in Ephesians chapter 6, when it talks about uh, the, um <clears throat> the, the armor, it talks about, our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And here's the thing: we can bring peace to the world, but the peace we're going to be is not by going out and negotiating a, a settlement between <clears throat> Israel and Palestine. That's not that's not going to bring peace. That will just that will just you know force peace at best upon them. <clears throat> the peace that we're talking about is bringing peace between people and God, and bringing God into the situation who can really bring peace. Now. The reason we looked at the other three, first of all, has to be real for us. There's no point in you going and talking about a peace that people can have. You don't have it yourself. You don't have peace with God. It's it's going to be a hollow message. And it has to be real for us. But then we're supposed to go and we're supposed to bring that peace. That's our job. That's our function. That's what Lifegate Baptist Baptist Church is all about. It's Seeing, seeking to bring the message of peace to people so that they can know peace with God and peace in their hearts and peace in the world. And when we lose focus of that, and when that's not our purpose and not our goal and not what we're really about, you know, we lose our reason for existing. That, 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 that is why we're here. Look with me at Second Corinthians chapter five. That's read from verse 14, right, "For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judged that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Wherefore henceforth know we no man after the flesh, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature, all things are passed away, behold, all things are become new, and all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given us... The ministry of reconciliation. Now, he's given us the ministry of reconciliation. Remember where we started. First of all, God is angry with sin all the time. So he's given us the ministry of reconciliation, the the, the ministry of bringing two sides together so that there's a reconciliation. Now, in this case, it's not a forced peace, a peacekeeping effort. God has made grounds for peace that are so accessible. That are so easy, we almost turn away from them. But the grounds for peace are the blood of Jesus Christ. I've paid the price, you just come to me, confess it, and I will receive you. It's so easy, it's so simple, it's so straightforward. And that's the ministry that we've been given. We've been given the ministry of reconciliation. And that is everybody in this room who's a born-again believer. That's our ministry you know I may I may be the pastor of the church you you may have a different uh job a different work you do altogether but we've all got this ministry of reconciliation we're all supposed to bring this peace to people all of us have have been charged with this task right um To wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now he says it again, committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Right? So what's Paul doing? He's 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 beseeching them, he's pleading with them to reconcile with God. That's what we're supposed to do. Now let me ask you a question. Very straightforward question. When was the last time you pleaded with somebody to reconcile with God? Have you ever? Have you ever been in that place where you been... And you say, well, Pastor, that's a pretty strong word. You know, if I press it that hard, people are going to get upset with me and bent out of shape. Well, what's the option for them? Realistically, what's the option for them if they don't come to the place uh, where they seek um, <coughs> uh, reconciliation with God? They will die in their sin and go to hell, notwithstanding the fact that the price was paid, that Jesus... Paid the price. That is all there. Unless we actually actively take up the role of seeking to plead with people to reconcile with God. They will die in their sin. They will <clears throat> end up paying, paying a price they should never pay because Jesus paid it. That That's what happens. So if we don't actually do it, what happens is they end up paying the price anyway. God wants us to seek to reconcile people to him. Let me say this to you if you're not saved this morning. Let me plead with you to reconcile with God today. Don't wait for another day. You don't know that you have another day. If you're here this morning and the Spirit of God is speaking to you, and no doubt that he is, because the Spirit of God speaks through his word. If you're here today and the Spirit of God is speaking to you, come to Christ, reconcile. You say, what exactly does that mean? Well, we'll get somebody to show you from the Bible, but let me just explain it to you really briefly. Right? First of all, <clears throat> we're all sinners. Everybody in this room has sinned. Everybody in this room has done something that's put between them and God, done something that, that's caused God's wrath. Right? <clears throat> you know, It's not like we can say, well, I never did anything wrong. That's just not true. We have. We've done things that that wrong. We've given him reason to be upset with us. But in spite of the fact that we've given him reason to be upset with us, he sent his son to die on the cross for us. So that Jesus paid the price for our sin. And he says this, If you will believe, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You say that's too simple. Listen, it may seem simple to you and I. It wasn't simple to God. It certainly wasn't simple to the Lord Jesus Christ. But he paid the price in full. And if you will trust he is the Savior, and I need him. He died for me, and I need what he did. You know what he will do? He will save you. And many people in this room could testify to the, to the fact that it's real. That it's real. And it's, it's, it's life-changing. But that's not the most important part of it. The most important part of it is it changes your eternity. It changes where you're going to spend eternity. It reconciles you with God. And here's the thing. You were made for God. We all were. We were made for a relationship with God. And until we come to the place where we're reconciled with him, we'll never understand what it was that we were made for. We'll never know peace. We'll go from thing to thing to thing, trying to find out something that gives us peace, and it won't. But when we reconcile with him, we have peace. Real peace. A peace that passes all understanding. Now, what am I asking of you today? Listen, if you're not saved... Make today the day you get saved. Talk to me. Talk to somebody else. Make today the day you get saved. Don't don't wait for it. You know, don't wait for, 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 for some better occasion. Make today the day. Now, if you are saved, let me ask you a couple of questions. First of all, do you have peace with God? I mean real peace. Do you have real peace? Is there something between you and him that needs to be dealt with? Is there something between you and God that you would say, no, that's that's, that's, that's getting in the way of me knowing this peace. I want this peace. Well, well, deal with the issue. Deal with the issue. The Holy Spirit will help you. He will help you if you're willing to let it go. He will help you. And the third question I want to ask is this. Are you proclaiming this peace that you have to others? Because they need to hear. They desperately need to hear. We've got a world out there that doesn't know what it's about. That's looking at all kinds of things to make itself happy and looking at all kinds of things to uh, try and get by. But it really doesn't know why it's here or what it's doing. And um, we need to be actively telling them. You know people in your life that you could talk to and that would listen to you because they know you. That's your mission field. Talk to them. Take tracts. Speak to them. Tell them, don't, don't, don't just ignore, don't leave the thing for somebody else. You know, <clears throat> um, news again, but I read, read this week about, a, a, I think it was in New York, about <clears throat> a man who was savagely beaten by a group of teens. And the really surprising thing about it was that there were a bunch of people who stood around with their phones filming and nobody intervened. Nobody tried to help them. Isn't that horrible? Listen, we live in a world that's lost in its sin and going to hell. God has given us the tools to intervene, the gospel. We need to actually intervene. We need to speak to them. We need to talk to them. And if we don't, we've got to bear responsibility in us. We've got to bear responsibility. Can you imagine that man that got beaten this week so badly if he survives? It looked like it was pretty serious. If he survives. Going to those people that stood filming it and saying, why didn't you do something? Why didn't you use your phone to call somebody? Why did you just let it go on? Wouldn't that be reasonable? If it was you, wouldn't you really want to know why, what was going on? Here's the thing. We have the answer to the world's greatest problem. Speak to them about it. Enjoy it yourself first, but then speak to others about it. This is the best news the world has ever heard. It's truly good news. Speak to the world about it. Let's stand for prayer. The piano's going to play in a few moments. We'll give you an opportunity to respond to God. Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Lord, for the fact that we can truly be peacemakers, not just peacekeepers. And, oh, Lord, I pray you'd help your people now, Lord. Lord, let not the enemy come in and snatch the seed away, but, Lord, may there be, Lord, a, a germination and a growth and a... Uh, or Lord a bearing fruit in each life oh blessed spirit of the living God would you, would you work in hearts and lives now Lord would you make it real to us Lord that we might deal with it and that we might be the people you want us to be every head is bad and every eye is closed the piano plays and God has dealt with you he might have dealt with you about your need for salvation would you come forward uh, maybe he dealt with you <clears throat> about something between you and God come forward and do business with that and perhaps he dealt with you about being a witness speaking to others would you come forward and do business with him There's no wonder that happens when you step forward, but you know what? When you make a decision in your heart and you actually move on it, something does happen. Let me encourage you this morning. God has spoken to you. You step out and you come and do business with him as the piano plays.